these teams hate each other from the drop of the puck. If I'm an Islanders fan, obviously there's a concern that the team that I saw at its peak has just not been around lately. I think the Islanders are a team that is built for the playoffs and not necessarily for the regular season. I think technically I was alive also. I'm probably going to break everything, but, you know, what the heck. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice. Welcome to the playoffs. This is Newsday's New York Islanders Podcast, episode 85 and the first episode of the 21 playoffs. Hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday and also via Newsday Islanders text, which is your direct connection to one-on-one communication with me. You can text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766 or go to newsday.com backslash Isles text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And as I will be throughout the playoff runs, however long this lasts, I'm joined by my Newsday teammates, Neil Best. He's at at SportsWatch on Twitter and uh, Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday. And uh, gentlemen, welcome to the playoffs. Any first, uh, first thoughts here? My first thought is that your opening is sounding more and more like Chris Russo's. I, I, I like that. You're, you're blending my sports media and hockey worlds. Okay, that's great. That's <laughs> tremendous. Colin, you got anything? Wait a Neil, are you, uh, are you uh, accusing him of plagiarism? Or oh, no, I think it's just playoff excitement. I don't know. It's natu- I, I think it's very natural. Okay, all right. Well, all right. yeah, there, is, there, there should be playoff excitement, right? I mean. Yeah. The Islanders, the Islanders, and and the rest of the NHL. I mean, I guess as we speak, the Canadian teams are still trying to finish up their season. There are a handful of games here and there, but for the most part, the NHL managed to navigate a 56-game regular season. And let's be honest, the in January and at times from January until now, there was some question as to. Uh, whether that might or might not be accomplished. The Islanders get through 56 games, finish fourth in the East Division, and they will take on the first-place Penguins in a best-of-seven series. And uh, we're thinking that series is going to start this weekend, Saturday, Sunday. The NHL hasn't come out with an official schedule yet. But let's start there. Just how meaningful is it that the NHL did manage to get through this season? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to give them credit for that accomplishment, just like all these other leagues, because of the end. You know, it's interesting, almost every league that has gotten through a season so far, including both NHL seasons, is uh, there were times where every fans and journalists were skeptical, like, is this going to work? And as you, as you mentioned, the, the NHL was no exception. Like, there's a point where, wow, this, thing's to be, this thing seems to be going off the rails. And somehow they got it back on the rails, and it looks like they're – pretty much home free except for this issue of the Canada thing and what they're going to do with the winner of that division. But yeah, you do have to give them credit for it. Um, and yeah, the, I think now, now that we're at this point where there's, there's at least a chance of a playoff that seems semi-normal. Yeah. Uh, what are they going to do about that Canada thing, Neil? <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do about that Canada thing. They haven't even figured out when the Islanders are starting the playoffs yet. So they have a whole other country to worry about. Well, one thing I'll say about this playoffs that 
Look, I, I wrote about this at some point during the season, but let's face it, the, the divisional thing got a little tedious sometimes playing the same teams over and over and over again. And that was a big negative of the system, even though there were reasons for it. Okay, fine. And now that we're in the playoffs, they're playing the same teams again, but of course it's different because it's the playoffs and it's fine because you got four good teams that are evenly matched. This division is going to be a fun playoff. But I think it's nice that the regular season's over because there were just too many games against the Sabres. I mean, it's, hey, hey, it was just too much. My team played one team four times in a row. Yeah, that's not good. That's yeah. not good. Uh, that was hard. <laughs> but anyway, but I digress. We're not here to talk about my team, which did not make playoffs. Well, your no. team had an interesting week, at least. Yeah. <laughs> we we. we Colin, we will talk about your team as it relates to the Islanders and the rest of the NHL uh, a little bit later on. Um, but I, I want to keep it focused on the Islanders uh, just a little bit here to start. Colin, let me ask you, I, I mean, since you I, you saw the Islanders eight times, and uh, as we know, you have people within your household who, who live and die with the Islanders. So I saw, I, I saw them last night. I saw I saw, I saw I saw them pull the goalie in a tie game, and uh, you know, and uh, and and then have to play three on three overtime for what reason I don't know, but they're interesting. Um, I actually like this matchup between the Islanders and, and the Penguins. I think uh, to to whatever extent possible, I think it's a clash of styles. Um, quite frankly, I think the Islanders, Capitals, and Bruins all kind of play the same style. Um, you know, the personnel obviously is different, but but they kind of play similar stylistically. And I think the Penguins are the one team that is um, really is a different look than those other three. So, you know, there's a clash of styles here with the Islanders and Penguins. And, uh, you know, I guess two years ago, it worked out pretty good for, uh, for, for uh, the home team. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, getting that started and seeing what it looks like. You know, you know, it's amazing. You think back, and that was Barry Trotz's first season as coach. Uh, the Islanders sweep the Penguins out of, uh, out of the playoffs in the first round. And really, you know, some sweeps are a little bit closer than others. And, to me, that was really a non-competitive sweep. I mean, the, the Islanders really dominated those four games. And if you remember, we all kind of thought the this iteration of the uh, the Penguins was, for the most part, done. Yes. And look, there are changes. You, you know, Sidney Crosby and Malkin are, are still there, and Chris Letang is still there. Um, but you, you don't have Matt Murray in net anymore. Now you have uh, Tristan Jarry and Casey DeSmith. And I, I think both of them are going to be healthy, you know, once the puck is dropped. And, uh, you know, Jake Gensel has blossomed into this really, you know, really good player. Brian Rust has, has done likewise. And, and, and they do a great job getting Jeff Carter uh, in from the uh, Kings. And Carter scores nine goals in the 14 games after the trade for the Penguins. So uh, that trade works out a little bit better for the Penguins than the uh, Kyle Palmieri, Travis Zajac trade did, you know, at least so far for the Islanders. But really, you know, as much as things have changed with the Penguins, there's a, there's a lot that's still the same. As, as long as you got Sid and, and Malkin and, uh, you know, Mike Sullivan behind the bench, you know, I know the GM Jim Rutherford is gone. It's a lot of the same, and I, I think the Penguins and, and Sully deserve a heck of a lot of 
credit for the way they played the season and, and how good they really were. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and they had some injuries too early on. I mean, look, Rangers, you know, we all the teams played each other eight times. And I, I can tell you that the Rangers and Penguins played uh, several times early in the season when the Penguins were struggling with uh, a defense that was beat up badly by, by injury. And um, you know, it's a different looking team than uh, than there is now. I mean, now they, they appear to be relatively healthy for the most part. I'm not aware of anything uh, um, that would hold them back in terms of injury wise. Um, and, uh, and they're the real team now, as opposed to the team that I saw early on in the season. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're the Penguins. And we discussed before we, we, we all came on together to start to spot that they are still the Penguins. I mean, they are still Crosby and Malkin and, and Latang and, uh, questionable goalkeeping and, and, um, and, and Sullivan behind the bench. So uh, I, you know, bring it on, man. Let's, let's play some games that mean something. Hey, Neil. So I, I just wanted to circle back to you for a second because you know you you said you saw enough of the sabers and the devils to last a lifetime i i i'll be honest like they could play within the division you know i i don't need to see the islanders arizona coyotes in the regular season ever again and but that that's that's not what i want to debate here what the the point i want to make out of the fact that these teams and, and and you're talking about you know all divisions all first round series you know they've all played each other you know, uh, this amount of times, right? Except up in the in the North Canadian division where they, they actually, I think uh, they might've played a ninth time against each other because there are only seven teams in that division. But the, the, the point being, you know, eight games against one team, usually, and I, I wrote this for, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the Wednesday edition of Newsday, you know, it, you go into a typical playoff series and it usually takes a game or two before that hatred really blossoms between teams. And I think these playoffs are going to be very, very interesting, Neil, because these teams hate each other from the drop of the puck. Uh, Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do think the dynamic is going to be different in terms of that. You're, you're right. After all these games, uh, um, yeah, usually you're playing what four four times. It's just yeah, you, they're just gonna jump right into it, whether they hate each other or not. I mean, at least the Rangers and Capitals won't be playing in the playoffs this year. Um, so, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I think you're right. Um, but but and just to you, just very quickly about the debate you brought up about about the regular season thing. I think there's a happy medium where maybe you could do with less games against the Coyotes. But I mean. I do like seeing the different uniform colors once in a while instead of the same seven teams over and over. So maybe we can agree to some compromise solution where there's more in the division than in usual, but not only in the division. This wasn't the AHL where Bridgeport only played. Hard no, I know, I know, but I, I want to see other colored uniforms once in a while. I want to see the Wilds uniforms once in a while. Anyway, uh, yeah. But in terms of the Islanders, not that you asked me, but I'll throw out my lack of expert opinion anyway. You know, I remember that when we talked about the Zajac and Palmieri trade, and I said, like, well, the worst case scenario, because they're not going to be bad guys in the locker room. So the worst case scenario is minimal impact. Well, so far, that's been the worst <laughs> case scenario. But of course, obviously, they have a chance to change that narrative in the playoffs, which is what the real, which is what really matters. But, but it's not just those guys. I mean, there's no question that since Anders Lee went down, there's been something 
amiss and you know, understandably so he's a key player in the locker room on the ice and uh, Palmieri and Zajac have not uh, compensated for that yet. Um, so I don't know what to expect from Obviously it's hockey and the Islanders are good and they could easily knock off both of these, uh, you know, get out of the division just as much as they could lose quickly. But if I'm an Islanders fan, obviously there's a concern that the team that I saw at its peak has just not been around lately. And um, I don't know whether they're going to get that back or not. Colin, I, I want to get your input on that uh, as well. But first, um, here's a clip from Barry Trotz uh, talking about how he wants his players to approach the, the playoffs and, you know, how he sees it shaping up with the other teams in the division and just, uh, you know, what he expects from his team uh, in this latest playoff run. And by the way, Barry Trotz is now three for three and Lou Lamarillo as well, three for three and getting the Islanders into the playoffs. Uh, our group is a veteran group. I think, you really enjoy the playoffs. I want our guys to enjoy the playoffs. It's so hard to get here um, and there's pressures, but I want them to enjoy it. I want them to play. Just leave your best game out there, and if they leave their best game out there, um, you know, you hopefully uh, good things happen. Well, I, I, you know, we've had good success the last couple of years. Uh, you know, we've got a – I think we're probably a little deeper than we were last year, uh, but I think – all these clubs that are the, the four clubs are deep. Um, you know, Boston is built for, they've got a great combination of, uh, of, of skill people and they've got a great combination, combination of some weight. Uh, Washington is a very, very big team that has a lot of weight. Uh, Pittsburgh continues to get bigger. Uh, you know, especially in their, their bottom, their bottom line. Uh, but they're, they're deep, they're fast, uh, uh, they're skilled. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, the team that can stay, get to their game, stay to their game and, and, um, get it done. That's, that's what I've learned in the, all these years is that you got to get to your game and stay to your game. And there's going to be times when, you know, the other team is going to have a push and you're going to have to survive, uh, those pushes and, uh, I like our goaltending. Our defense has been solid all year. And, you know, our forwards have been, been pretty solid. Uh, we, have, we dried up a little bit offensively, uh, in a span there, uh, this late, late this last month. And, um, but that'll come because you go to hard areas, you're going to, you're going to score. The games are always close. And, um, when it's uncomfortable, we get, we've learned to be pretty comfortable with that. So, Colin, you, you hear that Barry Trotz wants his players to enjoy this just because of how hard it is for a team to get into the playoffs. And uh, after uh, the, the, the season finale up in Boston, the 3-2 uh, overtime loss to the Bruins that locked him into fourth place in a first-round matchup with the Penguins, uh, you know, Matthew Barzell and Jean-Gabriel Pajot were both talking about how confident this team is going into the playoffs and also how much last season's playoff run getting to the Eastern conference final before bowing to the, uh, uh, the eventual Stanley cup champion lightning in, in six games, you know, how much that meant to the group and, and also how it still, it still hurts the team. Uh, Matthew Barzell called it heartbreaking and, and said this team was still, you know, quote unquote, very hungry. Um, so Colin, you know, just following up on, on Neil, you know, Given all that, how good a playoff team 
do you think the Islanders will be, especially, you know, after they kind of stumble to the finish line yet again, which is something they they've done uh, in each of Barry Trotz's uh, three seasons. I, you know, I will say that I've, I've been consistent. I've said it on this podcast. I've said it on every podcast that, I, that I've been on. I've said it to my son. I think the Islanders are a team that is built for the playoffs and not necessarily for the regular season. Now that the playoffs are here, I think they have all the elements um, that you need, you know, to be successful in the playoffs, beginning with uh, goaltending. And, and we don't know, you know, what story is with uh, Semyon Varlamov after, you know, he, he left the game, um, the final game against Boston uh, after two periods. Uh, we assume it's nothing uh, terribly uh, bad. You know, he did come back and he did serve as backup for the rest of the game. So uh, we, we assume that it's, it's a minor thing and we don't know when the game one is going to be as, a, as when we speak. Um, but I would, I would say that between Varlamov and Sorokin, both of those guys are better than anybody the Penguins have, right? Um, and, you know, I'm looking at the stats for uh, for the Penguins goalie, and, and Tristan Jari has a, uh, a 909 save percentage, and Casey DeSmith, uh, who's likely to be the backup, has a 912. Sorokin and, and, uh, and Varlamov uh, are both better than that. So I think you have an advantage there. You know, obviously you don't have Crosby and Malkin on the Islanders, but I, I just think that in playoff hockey, you know, you get a hot goalie that, that, uh, you know, you look at what Varlamov did in, in the, in the bubble um, last fall, you know, I think that that's, that's something that if, if I'm the Islanders, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about. So, you know, I just think that they're built for the playoffs and, and, and I, I thought that the regular season was going to be, not troublesome. I expected them to get in, but you know, I didn't. I think they're going to be better in the playoffs than they, than than I thought they would be in the regular season. Let's put it that way. Now, you know, you mentioned Neil that uh, Anders Lee is not going to be taking part in these playoffs, and and that's a huge loss. But you know, I you know, you look at these two guys they got from Jersey, and and these are two grizzled vets. Um, you know, Zajac's played in a in a Stanley Cup final. I think they'll be there when, when you need them. So I, um, you know, I, I feel pretty good about the Islanders in the series. I'm glad you brought up the goaltending because I'll take it one step further. I, I, I think, and I said this on a Pittsburgh radio show today, um, not only do I think Varlamov and, and Sorokin are, are better than the uh, Penguins pair, and I'm not, you know, Tristan Jerry has, has had games where he's looked, absolutely spectacular this year and, and I do think he's going to play above that 908 save percentage in the playoffs however uh, I will take Varlamov and Sorokin as a goalie tandem over any other team in this division uh, I think it's a better goalie pair than the the Capitals have uh, you know with Samsonov and uh, Vanacek and uh, I'll even take it over uh, you know the Bruins with uh, Rask and Halak I just, I really, I, I really do believe in, in Varlamov and Sorokin as a goalie tandem, giving the Islanders a significant edge, you know, through these divisional playoffs. Uh, I, I think it's going to be tempered other places. Like uh, I, I would take anyone else's power play over. <laughs> the Islanders power play. So uh, I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And we'll be back with a little bit of more from Neil and Colin right after this message. Get the latest on the New York Islanders when you sign up to receive text alerts all season long. 
Newsday's Andrew Gross will text you real-time analysis and behind-the-scenes reporting for $4.99 a month. Go to newsday.com slash IELTS text to get started or text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766 or online at newsday.com slash IELTS text. And just to uh, quickly review as we're going over Islanders Penguins, as as mentioned, they they played eight times this season. The Islanders went two, four and two against the Penguins. Uh, the bulk of those games were played in February. So that was before the Penguins got Jeff Carter. It was before the Islanders got Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the Dev- Devils. And it was before Anders Lee was lost to a, uh, a torn uh, interior cruciate ligament in his right knee on uh, March 11th. So just going through the games, uh, February 6th, the Islanders win 4-3 at the Coliseum. Jordan Everly gets a couple of goals. Lee scores the uh, power play winner late in the third period. Uh, let's see, on February 11th, the Penguins win a 4-3 shootout at the Coliseum. That's when uh, Evgeny Malkin ties it with 18 seconds left in the third period. And Crosby scores the lone goal in the shootout. February 18th, uh, more of a one-sided chippy game. Uh, Penguins 4-1 win at Pittsburgh on February 18th. Uh, That was the game where uh, Penguins defenseman Mike Matheson uh, cross-checked Matthew Barzell with what the Islanders termed a vicious cross-check. And, uh, of course, uh, they they were no friends of Mike Matheson's dating back to that uh, qualifying series against the Panthers in the the playoff bubble. Uh, On February 20th, the Penguins win 3-2 at Pittsburgh, much better game for the Islanders, although they could not hold a 2-1 lead in the third period. Latang scores his second goal, a winner at 13-34 of the uh, third period. February 27th, the Penguins win 4-3 in, uh, 4-3 in overtime at Nassau Coliseum. Latang uh, again with two goals, including the winner at 4-34 of overtime. The Islanders had leads of 2-0 and 3-2 in the second period of that game. On February 28th, the Islanders win 2-0 at the Coliseum. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom and Jean-Gabriel Pajot with power play goals. And uh, Sorokin had 20 saves in that game for his second straight shutout. Uh, But mostly it's been Varlamov playing against the Penguins. Uh, March 27th, one of these bad games for the Islanders that they had with increasing frequency Towards the end of the season, the Penguins win 6-3 in Pittsburgh. Brian Russ this time has two goals for the Penguins, who built a 5-0 lead into the second period. Uh, Russ later completed his hat trick with an empty netter. Sorokin gets pulled in that game after allowing four goals and nine shots. And the last time they met was March 29th, which is really a, an eon ago in this NHL season. The Penguins win 2-1 at Pittsburgh. The Penguins scored twice in the first period, held on uh, despite Varlamov. He uh, had a really good game, makes 20 saves. In this game, uh, Jerry was forced to exit after the first period, and DeSmith comes in and stops 19 of 20 shots. And, you know, the other thing that's going to be really different um, that we should talk about here is the fact that uh, none of the games at Nassau Coliseum was there a single fan in the building. And now for the playoffs, Governor Cuomo announces the other day 50% of the tickets are going to vaccinated people. 
Now with the, the new social distancing guidelines, you're going to be able to fit approximately 6,800 people into the Coliseum as compared to the, uh, the 1,400, the 10% of capacity that was uh, there for the final 14 home games. And, uh, uh, you know, it's sort of a softball question here, but, you know, Neil, how big a difference is it going to be having that many fans in, in the Coliseum for, you know, for this final playoff go-round in, in the building? You know, the reality is, I guess the truth can now be told, but I think that we and the players um, oversold the effect of 1,300 people, be, 1,400 people being in there in terms of making noise. And I'm not knocking the fans at all. The fans that were there did, did a good job trying to be enthusiastic. But the reality is 1,400 people in there looked like a pretty empty building. And I, I think a, a half full building is going to be a completely different experience where if those 6,800 people put in the same amount of effort uh, that the 1400 people did, you're really going to feel it. I, I mean, I just think, yes, it was great having fans in there toward the end of the season, but it was not, it was not close to normal, um, no matter how hard they tried. Uh, now it will be, I think it will feel fairly close to normal with that many people in that building. So it's going to be a better atmosphere and yeah, potentially could translate on the ice. Although the Islanders obviously played well at home this year, regardless of having no fans. Uh, but it's it'll definitely be a more fun atmosphere for people, for the fans themselves and for people like us. Hey, Colin, in, in another life, you covered the Islanders. You spent uh, a ton of time at the Coliseum and you know absolutely how passionate, you know, the fans are once they get in there. Can we look at this from a different point of view the Islanders had the sterling home record. And as Neil's saying, without really much of a home ice advantage, other than the fact that they're sleeping in their own beds and they're not under these restrictive road guidelines in the hotel. Do you think there could be a chance that now that it, it, it's, you know, at least half back to normal and, you know, the building's going to be half full and probably twice as loud as a lot of other buildings in, in the league, that they could actually put more pressure on the Islanders at home and, you know, they could be pressing, you know, I know Barry Trotz has talked in the past of the team trying to be too fine at home to impress the home fans. Do you worry about that at all? Nope. Okay. That's okay. a great segment. <laughs> no, no. You know, I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of how loud it was two years ago when they played the Penguins. Right. I mean, that, uh, that was as loud as, as you could imagine. I mean, and, and it, it can't be that loud because there's going to be half, half the number of people in there. But, but the, the acoustics of the building, uh, it is a great old uh, barn for uh, playoff hockey. Uh, you know, there's the acoustics of the building and, you know, the, it keeps the sound in. And, you know, I covered the Devils too um, in, in the old days before they moved to Newark, right? So they were in the Meadowlands and that was a building that didn't hold the sound. It was a building that was built uh, for different kind of acoustics. It was built for concerts, really. And, and you know, you could go in there and they could have 19,000 people in that building. And, you know, you, 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 didn't, you didn't hear a lot. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just it wasn't very loud, which is the opposite of what you get in Nassau Coliseum. Uh, that series two years ago, those, those, those two games were just unbelievably loud. And, and um, 
and again, yes, it's going to be half the number of people, so it won't match that noise. But I think it'll be pretty loud. And I and I don't know that. I think the Penguins are going to have going to be affected by this more than the Islanders. I don't. I, you know, yes, certainly the Islanders are going to press a little bit, but they seem to do pretty well. You know, with with that noise two years ago. So I'm I'm, I'm going to guess that uh, they'll be okay. You know what? What I'm excited about. Uh, you know. Uh, for the Islanders getting through this first round. So, you know, in the time that the Islanders have gone back to the Coliseum, right, uh, in Trotz's first season, you know, they split games between Barclay Center and the Coliseum, and then they split playoff rounds between the Coliseum. And, and, and you, you talk about that Penguins series, and then they go to Brooklyn and they, they lose the two games to the Hurricanes and they wound up getting swept. Um, and then, of course, last season, there are no home games at all. It's just, you know, in a playoff bubble in Toronto and then the conference finals out in Edmonton. So, look, I think it would be spectacular and, we'll, and it will increase in intensity the further the Islanders go in these playoffs. And look, I, I, there's no guarantee that, uh, you know, we're capping it here at 6,800 fans, you know, Governor Cuomo could open this up further, the deeper they go into the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, you know what the, the attendance is going to be in, in Pittsburgh. I mean, like, are they 50% as well? Am I a Pittsburgh Penguins podcast? I got no clue what they're know, doing. Wow. Very prepared guy. Wow. Uh, no, I, I, I honestly, you know what? I should know, but I, I do not know. Uh, I do not. I'm just asking, and just in the off chance that maybe you did, I don't know. They'll know by Sunday. Yes, we'll <laughs> know by Sunday. I, I get. You know what? We're going to do a lot of these podcasts in the playoffs. I will have an answer for you on the next episode. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, let's say that Pennsylvania is uh, rocking at 25 percent or something, which I think is what they were, right? And let's say they're still at 25%. You know, it's going to be a, a certain level of noise for games one and two. And, and then when you come to the barn, you know, the Penguins uh, players are going to be like, whoa, this is loud. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Can I say a big picture columnist thing since you brought up the possibility of a deep playoff run or you have other, other things programmed for my next question? Please go ahead. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> columnist prerogative. Yeah. Yeah, so you, uh, well, it, it's because you brought up uh, how a couple of years ago, a lot of people thought that was the end of that Pittsburgh, you know, window, you know, the, the, to me, the larger narrative here about the Islanders and how far they go is that, you know, they're going to take a good team to Belmont next year. They're not going to, this is not the end of their window. Uh, however, you know, they are a very veteran team. That's probably most of the key players are 30 plus and, um, yeah, they they have to win a cup, you know, within the next two or three years to for this group of players to win a cup. So I'm not saying it has to be this year, but it has to kind of happen soon. So they'll be good this year. They have a chance. They'll be good next year in their new arena. They'll have a chance. But, you know, you got to kind of it's not like an entire team of 19 year olds like Collins team. So, you know, you have to you have to you have to make another run here at some point and try to get it done. Yeah, I mean, and I, I would also say that, you know, the media covering this team is not getting any younger either. And, uh, you know, sure. there's a window here as well. So I know I in 1994, I was assigned to cover the NBA finals. So I did not cover a New York team winning a Stanley Cup in 94. Uh, that would be kind of a cool thing to do before I retire. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in 83, I was in, still in diapers. So I did not see 
I did not cover the Islanders winning that cup. Diapers, really, Neil? No. Well, well, I mean, college does strange things to people. I was going to say, Neil, I'm going to get into that. So just to just to get back to the attendance. Uh, every time I every time I say something, you take the show off the rails. Andrew always goes, "Now get to get to get back to what I was talking about." Because <laughs> I got good Barry Trotz audio. I want. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did ask Barry Trotz about the fact that there were going to be you know approximately six thousand eight hundred uh, fans at the Coliseum, and you know what Barry thought that would mean uh, to, to everyone. And Barry, is, as usual, was pretty eloquent on that. I think it's going to be great. Uh, I, I think it's going to be refreshing for the players. I think it's going to be refreshing for everybody involved. Uh, it really, it's, uh, it's a step that's, uh, I think, necessary going forward. Um, and that's because that's everybody's getting vaccinated and we've, we've done – you know, committed to, you know, wearing masks, all those things, those protocols. And, you know, it's slowly but surely, it, uh, you know, we're, we're able to get back to a, a degree of normalcy. So I think the fans are going to be crazy. When you're locked at, caged up in, inside for basically the last year, uh, nothing better than playoff hockey to get some of those, uh, those emotions out, if you will. So there you go with Barry. Um, am, I, am I allowed to say, as our as our sports media writer, that Barry Trotz is the best media coach slash manager in this area by a wide margin? I can't believe that you had Barry Trotz talking about the attendance and you let us talk about the attendance. Like, you know, why not yeah, just better, he's better than us at talking? <laughs> why isn't he on this podcast with us every day during the playoffs? Um, <laughs> Barry's Barry's got better things to do. Yeah, yeah, he's probably got to prepare and stuff. But, you know, how much preparation does he need to do? He knows these guys back to, you know, like he's seen them eight times already. That is a very fair point. Another one I am wrote about for in Wednesday's Newsday, the fact that the pre-scouting here, the, the files are bulging already with the uh, stuff they've seen from each other. And that gets back to uh, what we were talking about, the hatred that's 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 already on the table there. Um Going around the league a little bit, you know, past Islanders Penguins, do you guys have any thoughts on, you know, once if let, let, let's just jump ahead a couple of rounds, say the Islanders do get through and now they're in the NHL final four, who do you think some of the teams they might be facing in that final four might be? I don't know who they might face, but I know who I want them to face, which would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> I mean, I, let's be honest. If the Toronto Maple Leafs don't make it out of the North Division, that's that's an epic fail because they are much better than any of, the, of those other Canadian teams. I don't know. One of those teams has a guy who has 102 points. And the Maple Leafs are still better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what? It's funny because I've been trying to, um, you know, I, I was so buried in, in East Division, East Division, East Division, but I've been trying to watch some of the national broadcasts when when they have these, uh, you know, that Minnesota Wild team is uh, pretty really fun. Good. That Kaprasov kid is uh, is pretty fun to watch. And, uh, and, and it's interesting, too, like um, I, I haven't seen very much of Carolina. 
but obviously that you know they've got it going on too um my question if you're looking outside of the east division is what's going on with tampa is kucherov going to come back you know i mean and and what's that going to do to them i mean like they are the defending champions and they didn't have this guy all season long and and so you know now if he comes back, what does that do for them? And, and does that, you know, kind of tip the scales uh, in their favor? So, you know, let's, let's, let's worry about that bridge when we come to it, Neil. I mean, what are you, what are you doing? What are you thinking? <laughs> well, I told you, I want, I want Islanders Maple Leafs. That, that's, you know, whether it's in the conference in the, well, I don't even know what we're calling them anymore. Is, is it a conference final, whatever it is, the semifinals? It's an NHL semifinal. Yeah. Semifinals. Okay, fine. I'll take that. Uh, the cup final would be even better, but I, I just want to see that, you know, obviously there would be storylines with the Islanders and Maple Leafs, but, but just as a hockey. Oh, as yeah, a, why, why, what, what storyline could possibly be but, there? But just, but besides, aside from that, just as a fan of the sport, oh. I, I, I would love Islanders or no Islanders as a fan of the sport. It'd be, it would be, it would be cool to see the Maple Leafs actually in a Stanley cup final again, before I die. I mean, I was I was alive the last time they won a cup, but it's been quite a while. I think technically I was alive also. I was <laughs> technically, <seven>, right? <laughs> I think technically I was alive. And by the way, we all know why Neil is desperate to see the Islanders face the Maple Leafs because it would give Leo Komarov and Matt Martin a chance to face their f- former team. And exactly. aren't we all just dying to see that? What? And Lou. And Lou? I forgot about Lou. Yeah, there might there might be one other factor there. It's not coming immediately to my mind right now. All right. All right. All right. All right. But but we digress. We have a game in Saturday or Sunday, right? It's against the Penguins and you know, you brought up the uh, the, the the lightning, you brought up the hurricanes, you brought up the Maple Leafs. I think that Lightning Panthers first round series, I mean that that could have been an NHL semi semifinal series. Wow. That that's an incredible series. How did the Panthers get good? Panthers are, are they they got their cue going on down there, and they got a goalie. And also, out west, I mean, you know, I, I know we don't see a lot of them, but Colorado and Vegas are going to be ridiculous outs for anyone they face. So, it, it, it should be a really good playoffs, I would think. You know, and then even, you know, even back in the East Division, I think about how, I, obviously, I don't know what's going to happen in the Boston-Washington series, but, you know, the Islanders could very well have the two, my opinion, the two best players of the 21st century in their path, you know, which is kind of cool that these guys, you know, Crosby and, 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 and uh, um, yeah, Ovechkin, thank you, senior moment, that Crosby and Ovechkin are still at it and still at a very high level, I think is very cool. And the fact that Islanders fans might, you know, see those guys on an extended basis in a playoff setting, I think is kind of cool if you're a hockey fan. And who's listening to this podcast that isn't a hockey fan? Well, I guess that's it. Well, I know, but they're, they're all Islanders fans. But as just as a fan of the sport, like I was saying with the Maple Leaf thing, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, I, Connor McDavid is the best player in the world at this moment, but the best players of the century are Crosby and Ovechkin. And right. I think it's amazing that they're still doing this in 2021. And they're still going to be doing it in 2025, I would think, you know, so. 
All right. Well, that was uh, sort of our, our roundtable Zoom discussion going into this. And now it's time for a couple of your questions and Andrew and Neil and Collins answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's answers. And we take our questions uh, via Newsday Islanders text. And I got two lined up and they're both from Jeff Scott. Um, so I'm just going to read this one out. It's a long one and just, uh, feel free to chime in. Um, Jeff Scott asks, um, you got a question last podcast about Barry Trotz potentially being fired if things go south this year. Although I think that was before we secured a playoff spot. You said no, which was the right answer, but I think your reasoning could have been a little bit more thorough. People need to remember that Barry came in here and shaved off 100 goals from the team's goals against, which was no easy feat. Anybody taking that for granted should just take a look at where we were in 2017. But even beyond Barry, he brings with him a staff that has formed an elite penalty-killing unit and a goalie coach that produces .920 save percentage netminders as easily as they were tying their skates. Really hope Islander fans appreciate the elite level of coaching that this team has received the last three years, since you won't find anyone better standing behind the bench. And well, the, the question is this, um, you know, look, Barry Trotz next season will be looking to get a contract extension because um, you, you don't want him going into the last season of his five-year deal as a lame duck coach. And look, this is kind of, you know, fantastical because as I, my short answer was, there's not a chance that, you know, if the Islanders didn't make the playoffs or even if they had a, a short playoff run here, that Lou Lamarillo was going to fire Barry Trotz. However, Lou has a little bit of a reputation in this, uh, in this category um, with the Devils as he, you know, had some very odd timing on some of his coaches firing. So the, the question here is, I, I guess I'll pose it this way. You know, Barry Trotz lasted, what was it, 15 seasons in Nashville. He lasted four seasons in Washington as, you know, before getting into a contract dispute. Do you worry at all about a Barry Trotz's shelf life with the Islanders, you know, regardless of whether it's this season or does he seem to you to be one of these evergreen coaches where, you know, his shelf life does not run out? Uh, I think that in a rational world, his shelf life should not run out because he clearly knows what he's doing. Um, plus, I'm biased because he's so good at giving me quotes. Um, but, but, but as you alluded to, it's Lou Lamorello. And inscrutable Lou Lamorello could at any time, I don't think it's happening this season, but in the future, yeah, if things aren't going right and he comes to the conclusion things have gotten stale, he's proven he's willing to do seemingly out there stuff so i wouldn't put it past him but I, I i think that barry is the kind of guy who has proven he can win on a very consistent basis over very long periods of time uh i look at it differently i i, I would say that the islanders window might be closing you know in the next couple of years and if you're barry trotz once that window closes do you still want to be here so you know i, I think it'll be 
you know, just as much up to Barry if he wants to be here as not. I mean, he could just say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to coach out my contract. And, you know, when, uh, when Matt Martin goes, I'm out of here or, or whatever the case may be, you know what I mean? Like, and, and just move on to a, to a different and uh, potentially a better situation at that time. Yeah, no, I, I think we all agree that, you know, Barry probably has at least one more coaching stop in him before all is said and done, unless he has a 15-year run with the Islanders, which, you know, that those things, the, the run he had in Nashville, for the most part, do, do, do not happen. Those Lindy Ruff and Buffalo-type runs, they, they don't happen uh, anymore, for the most part. So, and it's not going to happen here. I, I think it happened in places like that where, you know, they're cost-conscious and they want to save money. Um, and you look at, uh, you know, even in Vancouver, I, I read somewhere that, you know, that the Canucks want to extend Travis Green, you know, ex-Islander Travis Green, who I covered. Yeah. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's literally the lowest paid coach in the NHL. And, and so, like, they want to hold on to him because they don't have to pay him a, as much as they might have to pay uh, a bigger name coach. So that's part of it. But, and I think so you know, a place like Nashville, a place like Buffalo that is trying to do things in a tighter budget, uh, maybe than, than you would around here, you know, they're probably more likely to hold on to a coach. Whereas, you know, I know that the, the team that plays in Madison Square Garden, you know, money's no object. And, uh, you know, you can whack a guy and bring on the next guy and pay him more than the next guy. And, you know, and, but it's what you have, if it's what you have to do to be competitive, it's what you have to do, right? I mean, Barry Trotz left after winning a Stanley Cup, so I suppose. Well, they, they they lowballed him on his next contract, and, well, and the Islanders paid him. That's the point. I, no, I know, but right, that's the thing. It's stuff happens. Yep. yep. The, Rangers, right. the Rangers won a Stanley Cup, and their coach was gone before the next season started, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, always looking for the pot of gold over the rainbow. Doesn't always pull up. Cash in. Yeah. Um, we got one more question here from Jeff Scott, who says, do you think the Islanders have too few, too few European players outside of Leo Komarov? Uh, I believe the only other one on the roster is Sebastian Ajo, who doesn't exactly play regularly. Goalies are obviously a different story since they've gone all Euro for a few seasons now, but definitely a possible issue amongst the skaters. I think European players are more well-rounded and talented, and most cup winners seem to have a decent amount of them in their lineup. And uh, look, I, I will I will start out on this uh, saying, one, I don't think there's a bias or any kind of effort to get more or fewer European players on the roster. I think they look at it purely on talent, but I, I will say you know, if you look at Bridgeport, you got a guy in Otto Koivula who, you know, I think is going to make this team quite possibly next season. Um, and you, you also have Simon Holmstrom, who they picked in, in the first round. And look, you know, you can even count Oliver Wallstrom as, a, you know, he's got a Swedish heritage. You can look at him as a European player as well. So I, I don't see any you know, anti-European bias in, in the terms of roster construction here. But I, I don't know, Colin, you cover a team with a lot of Europeans. Does it make a difference one way or the other? Yeah, I think there's a, 
I think there's a difference in, in stylistic, uh, you know, stylistic way of playing the game. Um, you know, it probably helps uh, the Islanders chemistry that they don't have a lot of Europeans. And then they are, you know, cause they are straight up and down, you know, as they like to say, a North team. Um, and we, you and I, Andrew, have talked on, you know, uh, about the Rangers being more of an East-West team. And, and it's because they have so many Europeans. So, you know, ultimately, I think you want to have a mix. You want to have a blend. And, and I think what you said is correct. You want to have the best players, period, regardless of where they're from or, you know, what color they are or, or whatever, what they're, you know. But, um, but in terms of putting a, a balance together, I mean, could they use a few more Europeans? I think it probably wouldn't hurt. I mean, it, it would make you more versatile and, and to be able to match up better against certain other opponents and, uh, and take advantage of certain things at certain times. Um, but I, I don't think... I think what they have is, is a good thing going on. And I, and I, and I don't think you need to go out of your way to do it is, is what I guess I want to say. I don't, I don't think the stylistic differences are that they exist, but they're not what they used to be. I mean, when, no, the, no, certainly when not. the Russians first started coming into the league, it was like, they were running like these Harlem Globetrotter weaves and the North Americans are just dumping the puck in. I mean, now we, you know, we've met a little bit in the middle here. So <laughs> we have, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, when you see the Rangers and Islanders play each other, I mean, the, you know, the, the styles are starkly different. So, I mean, I think that's the, you know, and I know that, you know, the, the Rangers coach at the moment, David Quinn, um, you know, ha, you know, has great admiration for the Islanders and, and, and the way they play. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, there's been much discussion um, in the last few days, especially with the, the, you know, the changes that they've made in, in their management structure uh, about getting tougher guys um you know into the rangers lineup you know guys who, who you know play physically and play up and down you know which is a lot closer to what the islanders do hey colin you know since the the, the rangers do play in arena right square in manhattan there yeah. don't you think rather than describing them as north south or east west you should say they want to be an avenue team rather than a cross street team oh stop man wow. that's good <laughs> Maybe this podcast has gone on too long. I don't no, know. no, we got one more oh, segment. Oh, oh, great. Okay. We got one more segment because our man Mark came up with some great theme music. So those were your questions. Wait, 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 wait. So we, we get we get a segment based on theme music as opposed to getting theme music based on a segment? I get a segment because I've got great theme music, and it's the Andrew's Questions segment. All right, and I got two questions here. I got one for Colin, and I got one for Neil. And Colin, my question is, as you brought up David Quinn, this is an Islanders podcast. I'm going to ask you about David Quinn and the Rangers' future, but I, I want to couch it as it relates to the rest of the division. Now, everyone suspects or predicts that the Rangers are going to blossom into this perennial cup contender, given all their young talent and the direction. And that's, you know, around the league, people think that, you know, the Rangers are going to be a real dangerous team at some point, you know, in the next coming seasons. One, is David Quinn, in your opinion, the guy to get him there? And what, you know, what can he do if he stays to make the rest of the division nervous? Well, I mean, I don't know if David Quinn is the guy to get them there, but I don't think you would. I mean, how would you know that? 
<laughs> until he tries and fails, how would you know? Um, you know, he, he was hired to do a job. He was hired to kind of usher in these young guys and sort of teach them the ways uh, and, and bring them along. And I think he's done that. And, and so, the, you know, your question is, is a valid one. Is, is he the guy to get them to the next level? And, and, and I have to tell you, I don't know. What could he do? I mean, he, he could, you know, he could get some, and, and this probably has more to do with management, Chris Drury, the new president and GM, you know, they could go out and, and get <clears throat> some more balance to their lineup. We were just talking about, you know, getting the Islanders, maybe some, some more finesse players. And maybe if you get the Rangers a little bit more beef uh, to mix in with the finesse players that they have, um, you know, then, then that would be a, uh, <clears throat> that would be a way to go and we, we would see what they could do. But yeah, I don't know that that has to do as much with the coach as it does with the personnel. And then, and, you know, as far as the Rangers go, well, you know, this is a pretty big off season for them because, you know, enough rebuilding the time is, is now for them to take the next step. And so this, this off season is kind of crucial. Hey, you know, I, I I've said, and I think I've said it to both of you that my belief is that this East division certainly at the top has the best coaching that you're going to see in the NHL between Barry Trotz and Peter Laviolette and, uh, you know, Bruce Cassidy and Mike Sullivan, you know, and uh, you got Elaine Vigneault in this division as well. And you, you mentioned Lindy Ruff, uh, you know, so it, it's a really strong coaches roster in this division. How much fun would it be to squeeze John Tortorella back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be fun and you know what it's not far-fetched um so you know we'll see i mean i the, as we speak now david quinn still is the rangers coach i don't know by the time people listening uh you know get to to listen to this if he still will be but i suspect he you know i suspect he he you know if they were going to get rid of him i would think it would have been within a couple days of of the end of the season uh on uh you know, on Saturday they wrapped up. I would I would have thought that it would be this first week here, and uh, and it hasn't happened yet. So every day that that he uh, uh, you know lingers, I guess, is uh, increases the chances that he'll be there uh, for training camp. Neil, and that for you as a columnist, that you know, if Tortorella comes back and you got Torts and Barry as your two coaches in New York, that's a columnist dream. Uh, yes, Tortorella is an interesting character. As you know, he's not quite as easy to work with as a writer as, as Barry is, but he, he would be an interesting character, absolutely. All right, Neil, and we're going to wrap up the show. I got one for you. Okay. Which of the following three Jethro Tull songs is the best song? Dharma for one, Pussy Willow, or Something's on the Move? Um, I don't have any opinion on your question. I, um, if you ask me Stone songs, I'd be happy to weigh in, but but uh, yeah, I've been on a Jethro Tull kick lately. <laughs> okay, I'll go with the last one you said. I'm too young for Jethro Tull. I, I, I you know, I just I didn't start listening to music till the early 2010s. <laughs> Who's going to see Genesis at UBS Arena? <laughs> you got, you, you're getting us tickets. I am going. Thank you. Oh, good. Look at that. Jethro Tull. You know, if, if, you, if you're giving me a, a heads up, I could have prepared for a Jethro Tull question, but I was not ready. Oh, uh, no. no that, that, I that's famous for that. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the fun in this in this segment. I just throw the questions out. And next time, ask me about the Stones, not about Jeff Tall. All right, what's your favorite Stones tune? Um, I guess Sympathy for the Devil. No, give me no, give me an off the shelf one. No, I'll, you know what? I, this this is I'm, 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 this is too much for me. I'm, I got 28 games to cover here in the next couple months. You're already draining my brain power. I, I'm, Memory I'm, Motel. I'm, Memory Motel. I, I went to the Memory Motel in Montauk once. Yeah. You know, so that's something that uh, important tourist stop for people on far eastern Long Island. What is the Memory Motel, uh, Neil? Uh, you know, for, for those of us that... Uh... Oh, it's an actual motel out there that they wrote a song about. I also would have accepted Dead Flowers, by the way. And you'll be hearing... Andrew, you know what you need to do for this podcast? I'm serious now. Yeah. You need, you need to play a little drums to introduce yourself. No, he... he you should... Mark, are you listening to this? Isn't that a great idea, Mark? Problem is I he... think... The, the corporate his specialty is air drums, though, and that doesn't come off well on a podcast because you can't. Uh, no, all right, you you want that? Page that he plays drums loudly, if not well. That's what I read. I will set up my drum kit in front of the computer for the next podcast, and I will I will play the drums on the next podcast. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. That's a winner now. That's going to be the award winning uh, move there. All right. It's probably going to, like, uh, I'm probably going to knock the computer's speaker. I'm probably going to break everything, but, you know, what the heck. Let's just have a good time. You know what I'm saying? So now everyone has a reason to tune back into the next episode of Island Ice. But uh, that is it for this episode. And we're going we're gonna to be coming to you very frequently for as long as the Islanders maintain this playoff run. I want to thank my Newsday teammates, Neil Best. You can find him on Twitter at SportsWatch. You can find Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday. You can find everyone's content at Newsday.com backslash sports or Newsday.com backslash aisles. If you're interested in Newsday Islanders texts, and we so hope you are because it's your direct connection to one-on-one -on -one communication with me, you can text 631 303-3766. That's 631-303-3766. Or you can go to newsday.com backslash Isles text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And we will ba be back with you after the Islanders start their playoff run. And until then, happy hockey, everybody. <laughs>